0: So, if you'll turn in your bulletin with me, uh, quite a few proverbs here that we're going to look at. So, chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 6, chapter 10, and then chapter 23. So, let's read. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my Commandments, For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart, always tie them around your neck. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. By truth And do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Now, when I was younger, I was maybe 12 years old or so, I was in an argument with my two older sisters. Uh, they were 17 and 19, so they're a couple years older than me. And I was wrong, as was normally the case uh, when we were in an argument. Uh, I'm, I don't even remember what it was about. I just remember I was so adamant about this thing that I wasn't going to let it go until by hook or by crook some way I was going to be right. I was just going to keep arguing until they gave in and said, all right, Andrew, you're right. And you can imagine the scene too you know, older teenage sisters just kind of uh-huh <laughs> nodding along with their brother. Just yeah, well, get it out. Let's go. And now my dad heard this. I don't know if he was in the room and just kind of chuckling at this, you know, futility that I'm <laughs> trying to to argue with my sisters, or if he heard it from another room and came to put it uh, to put it to bed. Uh, so he pulls me aside from them and he gets me calmed down and. Uh, he said something, and I, I've said this to the youth group, so I apologize, because I know you've heard this story probably a thousand times already. Uh, but he pulls me aside, and he says, Andrew, the thing about holes is, when you're in one, stop digging. <laughs> now, we, we know what he means. He means, if you're in a bad situation, don't keep making it worse by keeping on going. Uh, but the way he did it, the way he said it, has, has stuck with me, right? He was he was patient. And, and kind, and, and he went about it in a very gracious way. Now I'm sure we've all at some point had a parent or a mentor that's done something like that to us. They've said something that's been useful to us, that's, that's stuck with us uh, over the years. Uh, and, and in those moments, the, something ring, rings true to us and it helps us orient our lives in, in the way that they should go. But it's not just well-worded phrases like that one that's, that's stuck with me. It's a life lived well. It's, it's someone living in a way that we want to emulate. And so I, that's what I think the Proverbs that we've read this morning suggest, is that it's not just these sayings and these teachings. Yes, it is that, but it's the way that we live. And it's the truth of Scripture applied to our lives and lived so that others can see it. So I want to look at that that way is, is, yes, parents have a duty to teach their children. And children, yes, we have a duty to obey. So that's what I want to start with this morning, is that God calls parents to be teachers, and God calls children to obey. Now, God's call for parents to be teachers is for parents to teach wisdom to our children. Now, if we look back at the verses we read this morning, back at chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching. There's no command for the parents there. It's almost assumed, isn't it? It's just assumed that this is going to happen. And so this is specifically saying a father to the son, but I don't want us to miss the mothers in here. Hear your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teaching. This is of both parents. And I also don't want us to miss the daughters in here. There's a lot of language in the Proverbs about sons and fathers, but very clearly at the beginning, it's starting out with fathers and mothers. And you can understand the relationship, can't you? There's a father to a son and, and a mother to a daughter. In a lot of ways, those are uh, just what we're able to speak to a little more naturally. But this is for both sons and daughters and for both fathers and mothers. Now, it's, like I said, it's almost assumed that parents are going to do this. In some way, parents are always going to to offer this wisdom. And while that command isn't right here, that command is in many other places in scripture. Like in Ephesians 6.4, fathers are to bring their children up in the instruction and in the discipline of the Lord. It's pretty explicit. Deuteronomy 11 says the same thing, that we are to understand the scriptures, we're to remember the the whole of the law, and that we should teach it to our children. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot to do. It's a lot to remember. Um, So where are these teachings? Yes, it's the law, but where are our parents, where are we to get this wisdom Most of us don't sit around all day contemplating wisdom and stroking our beards like a guru and writing wisdom like Solomon did for us here. So where do we get this? Where do we get this wisdom to pass on? It comes from Scripture, and Scripture itself tells us that. 2 Timothy 3, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now what do children need? They need teaching, reproof, correction, and they need training in righteousness. So parents, you need to be versed in scripture, because all of scripture tells us these things. I was struck uh, just a, a month or so ago when the Hokes were here. You all, many of you know Tim and Sherry Hoke. Uh, I had the opportunity to take them to the airport as they were flying uh, somewhere else, and um, they're very gracious and were very interested in my life and asking me all sorts of questions, Um, and how things are going with me starting here at at Redeemer, and uh, Tim gave me some advice. He said, Andrew, you got to keep your relationship with God primary. He's like, you've got to be in the scriptures, you got to be in prayer every day. That has to come first. And if you get married in the future, yeah, your duty to your, your wife and your family come next, but if that relationship isn't right, with you and God, nothing else will be right. And I'm sure those of you that that know Tim and Sherry, you can hear him saying that, can't you, in that sort of Texas drawl that he has. Um, And so I think he's right, and I think that parents, we need to remember that and take his advice, that we have to be so immersed in the scriptures that it infuses every parts of our lives so that we can live that out in front of our kids. Because it's not just knowledge, is it? It's not, this is not what the Proverbs are saying. Just Don't just know these things, but, but do it as well. You know, many of us were raised in the church and, and we can quote lots of scripture, but have we applied that scripture to our lives? Are we living faithfully? Now this, this living faithfully, it's not just for parents, that's for all of us, that's for all of us who claim the name of Christ. Can others look at us and see his work in our lives? Now, baptism is, is given as a, as a symbol, as a sign of, of that grace working in us, of Christ working in our lives, So, uh, those of us that came for believers' baptism. That's a sign of, of our commitment to faith, and if you were a covenant child, uh, that's a, a commitment of, of your parents and your family to raise you this way and for them to live accordingly. So if you'll indulge me, I just want to read uh, some of the vows that, that we ask parents and, and the congregation as well to take. So the first uh, that I'm going to point out, do you endeavor to set before him or her a godly example that you will pray with and for him, that you will teach him the doctrines of our holy religion, and that you will strive by all means of God's appointment to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's a vow that many of us have made. That's a serious call but you're not alone in that because the last vow is asked to the congregation it says this do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility of assisting the parents in the Christian nurture of his child we're in this together parents you are not alone in this yes the proverbs clearly point to the parents that this is a call for you but parents you are not alone in this you know You know, it's funny, as I, as I find my father, he cracks me up on a daily basis, and if you look through our phones, most of our text conversation is just us sending jokes back and forth. I find him funny, but he, and yes, I, I remember that, but what I really and truly remember about my father and my mother, for that matter, too, is is how they've approached their jobs. Dad is in a job that could very easily become corrupt. But he does it with integrity. And he's been accused of some terrible things and he hasn't responded out of anger. And those are the things that I want to emulate. The way that my father and my mother emulate Christ and emulate Christ together, that's what I want to remember. That's what I want to do is I want to emulate them. Now we know no one's perfect. No parent is perfect. Everyone is gonna fail. And Lord willing, if I ever have kids, I I know I'm going to fail. But we can take comfort uh, because we can't follow God perfectly. But God has still promised us forgiveness and grace and wisdom and that he will draw us to himself and that he will come and dwell with us. So take comfort even in the midst of our failings that God has still promised to dwell with us. Now it should be, I think it should be a joy to see our children grow up in discipline and grow up in wisdom. And it should be our children, uh, it should be a joy, uh, and not approached as a burden. This isn't just some other task, this is a, a significant call, and this is a, a deep and purposeful call on our lives. That's a joy, what a joy to get to raise children, and what a joy for me just to work with the youth in a lot of ways. So we look back at, at chapter 10, It says, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And in that same way, chapter 23 says this, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. When we see children grow up and mature and they come to faith in Christ and then That wisdom is is added to them. What a joy. How exciting is that? Parents, you're not alone in this. We ought to rejoice together with parents. Those of us that don't have kids or our kids are grown, maybe this is an exciting time. Yes, we are called to help raise. We're also called to help rejoice in this way with this. So if you're having trouble or you don't feel like things are going well, reach out. Reach out to a brother or a sister or a deacon or an elder. Reach out and ask, hey, you promised this. <laughs> I need some help. And we, know that, we know that raising kids is no easy task. I'm a great example of that. <laughs> so take time in those moments, even when it's difficult, even when you're having trouble uh, raising your kids Take, take a moment and rejoice. So we've seen that, that God calls parents to be teachers. And we've seen that that's done through, through knowing the scriptures and, and living them out and teaching them to our children. But I want to now take a look at these Proverbs through the eyes of children. Because God calls children to obey their parents. So God calls children to obey. And this is where I think in chapter 1 you can see that command happening Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do you hear the command in it? Now, that word hear, uh, shema, in Hebrew, carries with it in in this context a connotation of obedience. It's it's not just hearing. It's not just listening. It's not just understanding. It's hear and obey. Hear and, and do the things that I'm telling you to do. Because let's be honest with children, and I know that I did this a lot, Your parents come and say, hey, will you do this thing? And they go on to explain what they want you to do, and you're, "Uh uh-huh, yep, uh uh-huh, yep, gotcha. An hour later, your parents come and check on you, and they go, hey, did you clean up like I asked you to? And you go, oh, no. (laughs) Uh, You kind of get snapped back to reality, because you were were just kind of listening, and it was kind of going in. You weren't obeying, all right? So this is, this call to hear is a call to obey as well. But it doesn't just stop there, does it? It's not just hear and obey. If we look at chapter 6, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. This is not just hear and obey. This is make this a part of you. Wear it like a necklace because the things that they're teaching you, that your parents are teaching you, are good. So keep them with you. Remember them. And do them. If we're not sure about this, children, because I know that we can be stubborn sometimes, can't we? If we're not sure uh, about this, there's some blessings attached to this. So if you look at chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. There's that same language to keep them, to put them on, to bind them around your neck. Keep my commandments, and here's a blessing. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now this sounds familiar, I would hope, because we read it this morning in our Old Testament lesson. So I have been quizzing the youth group for some time on the Ten Commandments. I've even given them goofy little hand signals to remember them all. So does anyone know the Fifth Commandment? anyone tell me the Fifth Commandment? What is it? Honor your father and mother, and that's the goofy hand signal, so you can salute with all five fingers to remember that that's the fifth (laughs) commandment. Now, what's the blessing attached to that? Does anyone remember the blessing attached to the fifth commandment? Ooh. Anybody know? Because it's pretty much the same as what it says in chapter three. Length of days, years of life. All right, so that's the blessing that's given there. So honoring our father and mother, honoring our parents, it comes with a blessing. So how do we honor our father and mother? Well, we do what they say, that's how we start. We gotta do what they tell us. Listening to their wisdom and receiving this this wisdom that they've uh, given to us and obeying it, that is fulfilling this fifth commandment. That is how this happens. Now there's one uh, rather sad aspect I, I want to address now is that not all parents are good parents. Right There are plenty of broken families uh, full of pain and they lack any sort of godly wisdom and in those uh circumstances where uh, we can praise God for his faithfulness, that even through those terrible situations that people are called and uh, people are redeemed that way but so how do we how do we reconcile these two how do we how do we take this command that's so clear for parents to teach and children to obey? How do we reconcile this in this sort of terrible situation? Maybe the parents are abusive, or they're not believers, or so how do we how do we do this right? Because that uh, we're blessed; we have a lot of good families in this church, and we're really blessed that way. But that's not the case everywhere. So I want to remind us of uh, the very first sermon that we uh, heard in Proverbs this summer. Matthew preached that uh, this series through the Proverbs, this pursuit of wisdom is something that we have to chase after. It's easy to become like our families, right? That's the way we were nurtured and raised, and if our families are lacking in wisdom and are causing us pain, then it's easy to, for us to become like that, lacking wisdom and causing others pain as well. James 1.5, James excuse me, tells us that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. And so our our earthly fathers may fail us, our families may fail us, but our heavenly Father does not. We still have an obligation to seek wisdom through the scriptures and we're to seek wisdom by reaching out to others. So reach out to a friend, a colleague, someone who is wiser than you or who might be more spiritually mature than you or someone that's older than you. Find someone and let iron sharpen iron through seeking God's wisdom together. So in other words, children, just as parents are not alone in this, children, you are not alone in this either. In Matthew 19, the disciples attempt to to stop children uh, from coming to Christ But Jesus rebukes them and he explicitly says to let the children come to him for to such as these belong the kingdom of God. Children, Christ is calling you to himself so don't let anyone look down on you for your age. Children, you are to seek wisdom and you're to obey your parents so you're not alone in it. We know that we can't do this perfectly. None of us can obey perfectly and I think if we're all honest with ourselves and we look back, those of us that might have children that are grown now, if we look back, we know oh, we didn't obey perfectly then either, but to, but to us, still, in the saying that we can't live perfectly, God has promised wisdom, and he's again promised to draw us to himself and dwell with us. So He is a God who is near and He is present in our lives, no matter our circumstances. So God has, has called parents to be teachers, he's called children to obey, and that much is clear. But I think this now begs the question of who are the children? Because I think God calls us all to be children. So once again, I want to look at Christ's own words about children. Just a chapter before where he says, Let the children come to me. Chapter 18, Jesus takes a child and puts it in front of the crowd, and he says these words, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So Christ says that we must humble ourselves. We must humble ourselves like children in order to enter the kingdom. So here is a very clear call that God calls us, to be children. And what's more, we we read in Romans when we come to faith in Christ that we are adopted as sons and daughters. So we are not just children, but we are heirs. (laughs) Heirs, there's my southern accent coming out. We are heirs alongside Christ. So if our earthly parents have let us down, then take comfort because your Father in heaven won't let you down. You have a heavenly father into whose family you have been adopted, who is the source of all wisdom and of all knowledge and of all love. So how do we do this? How do we continue to be obedient as children of God? Because we are all children in some ways, right? We can all learn, we can all still be humble to those more wise than us. And even in the absence of our earthly parents, still God is with us, offering us wisdom. We don't always live this way, do we? We don't always live like we have a father with us. We, l- we lull ourselves into this false sense of security. We think that we've got life figured out pretty well and uh, that we are just fine on our own, but let's be honest, no child is okay on their own. Every child needs someone, no one is an island. And I was especially struck by this several years ago uh, by my uncle. We uh, had just left the graveside uh, service of my grandfather, of his father. Uh, my uncle was in his sixties when Grandpa passed away. Now, as many stories as I've told about uh, about my dad, I could tell a lot about my grandfather as well, and I know my uncle has so many more. Being in his sixties, my uncle's—he's also someone I've looked up to. He's someone I've learned from. So I was so surprised to hear him say, and I—and this is a quote. He said to me, I wasn't done done learning from him yet. I think it's that sort of attitude we ought to have towards our faith. We ought to come again and again to the throne of our Father saying, God, I'm not done learning from you yet. Christ humbled himself on earth, leaving the wealth, the prestige, and the glory due him to come to earth and humble himself to the Father. Even the brief story we get in Luke chapter 2, where we see Christ as a boy, he's sitting in the temple listening and asking questions. He's there seeking wisdom. Christ submits himself to their leadership and their teaching, and then he submits himself even as far as death on a cross. So, such should our humility be. You know, wisdom teaches us that, that God is good, wise, faithful powerful, and he has his, his glory, and he has our good in mind. So humbling ourselves to the Father is following Christ, and it's honoring our parents. So we know that God calls parents to teach their children. Parents, you're not alone in this. Our Father offers us himself as our faithful and true Father. He's the one who will never let us down, and the one who is the source of the wisdom for our own lives and the source of the wisdom that we're to pass on. He's also given us the church. We're a community seeking to teach and to live out God's wisdom before our children and before each other. Now, God's also called children to obey, and Christ is the perfect example of this. He humbled himself to the Father, being obedient to him in every way. And we're called to obedience to our parents and to God, because first, it's what God's told us to do, and second, because God, our Father, has promised good from it. He's given us blessings in honoring and obeying our parents. Children, you're not alone in this. Christ has made obedience possible. God has promised to supply our every need, and he is faithful to give us wisdom in any circumstance. And then God calls us to be children. And again, we follow the words of Christ who came as a child, obedient and humble all the way to the cross. So, children, we are not alone. God, the very God who is our perfect Father, has promised to dwell with his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are our Father. We are so glad that you are, because we cannot do this alone. We cannot be parents to teach our children wisdom. We cannot be children to receive that wisdom without you. Without a perfect father and a perfect son who have offered us salvation, we could do nothing. So we thank you for being our father. We thank you for loving us and calling us and giving us all the wisdom that you have and that you've given us us that wisdom, not just individuals, but you've given that wisdom to us in community. So thank you for drawing us to yourself, for coming down and dwelling with us and promising us your fatherhood forever. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.